0: Hebrews 10, 1 through 18 this morning. Here's God's word. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God." For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Um, We thank you uh, for the gift that it is, the, the the privilege that it is that we get to um, have it in our in our hands and, and, and read it and, um, and 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 gather around it together this morning, um, see what it has to say for us. Submit to it. This is all of this is by your grace. We thank you for it. We thank you for these verses. Pray that you would um, that that you would drill them deep into our minds and into our hearts, Um, pray that you would bring comfort this morning where that is needed, pray that you would bring conviction this morning where that is needed, pray that you would work through your word by your spirit, and we we pray all of these things because the gospel of your son is true, and it's in his name we pray, amen. Um, I love being old enough to be able to use the phrase back in the day, I love saying back in the day. Um, love it. I say it all the time. It's great. Um, I've been waiting my whole life to be able to just use that phrase whenever I want to, and now I can, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and because what I always mean by "back in the day," it, you know, back in the day we used to do this, we used to do that. What I mean is, back in the day things were better, you know. Um, and what I mean is, back in my day, things are better. I like I like being able to say, "Well, back in the day," you wouldn't understand because back in the day we did this, we did that. Um, Some of you who were born before the year 2000, um, you'll remember um, a thing called uh, Greatest Hits Albums. Remember when musicians and bands, I guess needing some extra cash, I'm not even sure what they were doing, but um, they would release Greatest Hits Albums. They would have, the, the band would have, here are our best songs from the last 10 years or 15 years, or if they've been around for a while, 20 years. Um... The music industry has changed so much that probably if you're born in the 2000s, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, But what you need to do, you need to go to an antique store, buy a CD player, um, and then borrow from me for a limited time my Beach Boys Greatest Hits CD. Um, It's really the only one you really need. So if you want to get an idea of what is a Greatest Hits CD all about, I will let you for a, a a short amount of time, borrow my Beach Boys' Greatest Hits CD. If you were paying attention as I was reading these eighteen verses, and if you had been um, with us throughout the Book of Hebrews so far, you 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 might notice that the author of Hebrews has said all of this stuff already. These are his greatest hits. These are the songs he's like, hey, maybe some of you youngins didn't hear, I got some good songs, you might have missed them, you need to listen to them. You need to listen to them again. Maybe you were sick that week, you missed that sermon, you need to hear it again. Maybe you were distracted when I said this before, you got to hear it again. Maybe you were dialed in and you heard it, and you took it to heart, you still need to hear it again. Because what the author of Hebrews is going to do starting next week is he's going to get into our grill. He's going to get into our face and he's going to say some stuff that we're going to have to deal with, right? He's going to say, this is how you must live now. Since, since Hebrews one through 10.18 is true, since it's true, Here's how you must live. And so he's going to get right into our business and tell us us what we need to do. So we're going to be ready for that. We need to hear these four greatest hits again. The author of Hebrews is going to say, just in case this didn't sink in the first time, I'm going to play it for you again. I'm going to tell you again. You're gonna, you're gonna need this going forward. You're gonna need it tomorrow. He's gonna, he's gonna tell his people, you need to faithfully meet together and not only be in the same room together. You got to stir one another up to, to good works. Your, the, your brothers and sisters in Christ, their holiness is, is part of your, it's, it's part of your priorities. You are to make a priority out of your brothers and sisters in Christ. their, their holiness and their faithfulness, you are to be stirring them up. That's the kind of brother or sister you are to be, the kind that stirs up other Christians. You're, 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 to, you're to confidently, and fervently, and consistently draw near to the throne of grace. You are to I mean, prayer is to be a big deal in your life. And, if that's not enough, he's going to say, you are to joyfully endure persecution. You are to joyfully endure trouble. If we're going to be ready for those things, we need to hear these four greatest hits again. We need to hear what we've already heard. We need to hear what we've already heard. So here we go. Let's, Let's get to it. Greatest hit number one without Christ, we cannot be forgiven. Without Christ, we cannot be forgiven. Verses 1 through 4 make this abundantly. It makes it internally and externally clear. And we'll say what we mean by that in a moment. He makes it abundantly clear. Verses 1 through 4 For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. At their best, what they did is reminded the people of their sins every year. It was a constant reminder of their sinfulness before God. Verse 4, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You You read through that, you're like, yeah, you've said that before, buddy. You've said it before. We've done this. We've covered this. You've said it. Well, we need to hear it again. The Old Testament sacrifices cannot truly forgive us. They cannot truly make us clean before God. They were simply a a shadow of the good things to come. They weren't the true form of them. They were a shadow of them. One commentator said this, and I thought this is just a really good illustration for this. Imagine, um, like when, when, when my wife and I were engaged... Um, I had a picture of her. And because we, were, we lived about an hour apart, we, didn't see, we only saw each other like on the weekends, and so I had a picture with her that I kept close to me at all times, I guess so that I would remember what she looked like. And, and I would just, um, you know, like... Um, so I had a picture of her, and it was precious to me. But imagine if you guys, you know, this, this Friday, you're, you go over to the Boathouse restaurant, and there I am, sitting across from that picture... I've got it in a nice frame, I've, I've bought it a meal, I'm having a nice romantic conversation with it, mostly one-sided, you think something, some, there's, we need to call someone, got to call someone about this, I don't know who, I'm not going to address it, but someone needs to get, get involved here, some sort of authority, Steve lost it, we knew it was coming, it's official, It's going around the bend. The author of Hebrews is saying, that's that's what you're doing. If you, if you, if you leave Jesus and you go back to that, you're, you're going back to the picture. What are you doing? That's weird. Stupid. Don't do it. Don't do it. You have the real thing. You have Christ. Don't go back to the pictures that were pointing forward to Christ. And if we think about it, the, 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 the Old Testament... Sacrifices, we understand there's, there's internal evidence that this is, that this is foolishness and there's, there's external evidence that this is foolishness. We, we see it right here in these verses. There, there's the internal evidence that this is not working because there's this, this consciousness of our sins. We just like, we, we're, we're still convicted on the inside. We, we still feel and know on the inside that we're not fully, completely forgiven. We don't have the, the unlimited access to God that we crave. And, and, and we also have the external, like objective evidence as well, because we have to keep offering these sacrifices year after year after year. If, if verse, verse 2 says if, if they worked, we could stop doing them. If it actually worked, one would be enough. They're not effective. And so and, and, and we, we know this internally and we see it externally. The Old Testament sacrifices were a constant reminder that we are guilty before God, that we needed Jesus Christ. And so now, of course, today, most people, I, all people, I don't know, most people are not tempted to find forgiveness through the blood of bulls and goats. We're not, like, most of you wouldn't even know how to go out doing that if you if you wanted to. But we are tempted to find forgiveness, to find peace with God, to find that the, the fullness of our of our relationship with God, to, to find that that God accepts us and loves us and thinks highly of us and is okay with us and not angry at us. That, that that we want that and we we look for it anywhere else but Christ. We look through like like trying to get it through good works or. Proving how nice we are, how generous, generous we are, how hardworking we are, how faithful we are, how good we are. Many people are, are tempted to find forgiveness through the rituals of the Roman Catholic Church. Many people are tempted to, to ignore and suppress the need for forgiveness, the Apostle Paul says. We're, we're tempted in many different ways to deal with the problem of our sin. Without Christ, and, and the author of Hebrews wants you to hear once again, greatest hit number one, I know you've heard this song, you're, you're going to hear it again. Without Christ, we cannot be forgiven. Which brings us to number two. Greatest hit number two. So Christ came to do the Father's will. Verses 5-10 through 10 says, and these are good verses. These are really good verses. Um, there's a lot going on here. Starting in verse 5, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. And he's quoting Psalm 40 here. He's quoting the ancient words of David. Christ came into the world, the author of Hebrews gives Psalm 40 to Jesus and says, this is, this is, this is, now, this is, this is now fully and finally the, the words of Jesus. Fulfilled in Jesus. He says, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first. He he does away with the Old Testament sacrifices and establishes that he himself is the way to God. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So so here's the author of Hebrews. He's, He's doing what he loves to do, quoting the Old Testament, quoting Psalms. He's quoting Psalm 40. Now, In Psalm 40, when it was originally written, it's David remembering that God doesn't want empty sacrifices. God doesn't want David to show up in the temple and offer sacrifices to God if David's heart is far from him. And if you thumb through the Old Testament, you'll see many of the prophets said very similar things. Stop offering sacrifices to God and then going out and living in disobedience. God doesn't want your offerings. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants your obedience. If if you have no respect, no love for God in your life Monday through Saturday, don't show up on Sunday morning and throw a few dollars in the plate. Don't show up on Sunday morning and sing a couple songs and think, well, I'm good again. And this is not just a 2023 problem, this is a a problem in the Old Testament as well. God says to His people, you don't treat me like garbage all week and then offer sacrifices in the temple every once in a while and think that's going to make everything better. I want your heart. I want your daily life. I want your obedience. So that's Psalm 40. And it's echoed by many of the prophets in the Old Testament. Now when Christ came into the world... He read that ancient song, the the author of Hebrews says. Christ came into the world, he read that ancient song, and he realized that ultimately that song was about him. It was was about him. He was the the final fulfillment of it. And he realized that that if the problem that David and and the prophets were addressing back in the Old Testament, if that was ever going to be fixed... Christ realized that He, He Himself was going to have to fix it. Christ realized that God wanted Him, Jesus, to do His will. I have come to do Your will, O God. And He realizes, as as Christ grows in wisdom, right? As He grows in understanding, He realizes that His Father wants Him to. To pay for the sins of the people. And not through the Old Testament sacrifices. Not through the, the blood of bulls and goats. You know, the Father wanted the Son to offer His body. The Father gave the Son a body so that He could offer it up on the cross. To pay for our sins. And so... When Jesus realized that this is what the Father wanted, what did Jesus say? He said, I have come to do your will. He said, he said, your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. The answer to all of our disobedience is the obedience of Jesus Christ. And now, we have to see Jesus Christ's obedience in two different ways. The Bible talks about it in, in a couple of different ways. Because in one way, Jesus was just obedient. Which means he, he always just did and thought and said the, the, the thing that the Father wanted him to, to think and do and say. He, he always fulfilled the law. He always obeyed the word of God. He always did the will of the Father. In a very general way, Jesus was perfect and, and sinless. He, he always resisted temptation. He always did what was right. So in a general way, Jesus was just always, always obedient. But then the Bible also talks about very specific obedience. That, that part of Jesus' life of obedience meant this very specific assignment that the Father had for the Son. Isaiah 53 says it was the will of the Lord. It was the will of the Lord that the Son that the Messiah, that the Christ, offer up His body on the cross. And Jesus Christ, God the Son, said, Your will be done. I have come to do Your will. So, so, so number one, with, without Christ, we cannot be forgiven. Greatest hit number two, so Christ came to do the Father's will, which brings us to number three, now we can do the Father's will. Greatest hit, number three, now we can do the Father's will. We're going to to work through verses 10-16. through And say, here's another old song. You've heard it before, but you're going to need to hear it again. Bring it into your heart and into your mind. Sit with it this morning. Be thankful for it this morning. Verse 10 says, and by that will, which, which means by, by the will of God that Jesus Christ gladly submitted to, because Christ has done the will of the Father, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest, verse 11 says, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. We, the, the answer to our disobedience is, is the obedience of Jesus Christ. We cannot be forgiven any other way. No other sacrifice can take away sins. Those those priests would still be there today, repeatedly, daily, over and over, offering sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And when they died, their sons would take over for them. But Christ sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 13, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Why? 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 Why is he, why is he, why is it done? Why is it finished? Verse 14, for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's over. No more offerings, no more sacrifices. He has perfected all of those he has sanctified. Every week, you need to hear this again. Every every week, probably every day, you need to re-say this to yourself. That that there is a very real way that that those of us who are in Christ, we now stand perfect before God. We all want, for one reason or another, you're going to need to remember this tomorrow. Especially tomorrow. It's a Monday. You're going to need to remember this tomorrow. You're going to need to. There is a way in which if you are in Christ, you stand perfect before God. Doesn't mean you don't sin. Doesn't mean I don't sin. But it does mean that God the Father always sees us dressed in the righteous perfection of Jesus Christ. Christ has sanctified us. Now that word sanctified is different than the way the Apostle Paul uses it. In the book of Hebrews, sanctified is a, it's a, it's a word that draws from like the Old Testament priestly, um, functions and the priestly status. It, it draws on the Old Testament. It's a, it's a word that means that we are set apart. That we are set apart. We have a special designation from God. We belong to God in a very special way. Christ has taken us from one status, outsiders, under condemnation, and he has grabbed us, and he has put us on the inside. We now belong to God. We are set apart for him, which means we are now acceptable before him, and it means we can now do stuff that's acceptable to God. We can worship God. We can actually honor God. And, to go along with that, because Christ is, Died for us once and for all. He has given us a new heart and a new mind. He has changed us from the inside out. Verse 15, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Okay, so let's, let's track this. Do you see the, the beauty of this? Because Jesus Christ did the will of the Father now we can more and more and more do the will of the Father. Because when Jesus Christ obediently did the will of the Father, He gave us a new heart. He he gave us a new mind. He changed us from the inside out. So He's given us a mind that sees things properly, that can understand the Word of God and can see the truth and the beauty and the goodness and the desirability of it. We can see things the way we're supposed to see them now. This is God's grace to us. We can, we can truly know God and know ourselves, not comprehensively. We don't know everything there is to know about God, and we don't know everything there is to know about ourselves, but we can, we can truly know God. We can truly know ourselves. We can, we can see by God's grace, we can see sin for what it is. God's given us a, a, a mind that thinks properly. And He's given us a heart. He's going to love the Father and want to do His will. Want to obey Him. I guarantee you, tomorrow you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted towards self-pity and self-indulgence and and towards lust or bitterness or self-righteousness. You're going to be tempted towards impatience or laziness or or greed or or arrogance. You'll have... In those moments, you'll have the opportunity to, to resist your certain sinful urges. You'll, you'll, you'll have the opportunity to see them properly. And you'll and you'll you'll feel within you a compulsion, a desire to honor your father. And so so when when you identify, I am I am just kind of trending towards lust here, I am trending towards bitterness. I am am feeding on sinful thoughts, sinful desires. I'm on the the verge of doing something stupid. Going through that, you remember the example of Jesus. Jesus came into the world and He realized the Father has given me a body And I'm going to do the will of my Father, which means I'm going to offer this body. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to do the will of the Father. We remember the example of Jesus. He was obedient even to the point of death. But then we remember, we can't just have the example of Jesus. Good examples are only, only going to get us so far. But we also must remember when we're in the throes of temptation, when we're in the the throes of worry or fear or frustration, we remember not only the example of Jesus, but we remember that Jesus has saved us. He has paid for every single one of our failings and He has given us His Spirit. And His Spirit is is helping us to love what is proper and and to think clearly. So now we can love God more than we love ourselves. We can love His law more than we love our own lawlessness. We can, by His grace, resist temptation and fight for holiness. We remember Jesus has saved us, so we fight hard against temptation. We fight hard to do the will of the Father. Have you heard all these songs before? Yes. Some of these are direct quotes from things Hebrews has already said. We need these greatest hits. We need to remember, without Christ, we can never be forgiven. We cannot be forgiven. And, and, and so Christ has come to do the Father's will... Now we can more and more do the Father's will. And, greatest hit number four, now we can know we are forgiven. We can know we are forgiven. Without Christ, we cannot be forgiven. So Christ came to do His Father's will. Now we can do the Father's will. And now we can know we are forgiven. Verses 17 and 18. Then He adds, I will remember their sins and their lawlessness no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Do you guys remember back at the beginning of this sermon? It was a while ago. Maybe we can go back and we can remember verse 3. Verse 3: bad news. Verse, verse 3 is bad news. I, he says, "He says, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. There is a reminder of sins every year. That's bad news. This perpetual reminder of sins. So at the beginning, before Christ, our sins were never forgotten." And now what does it say at the end? I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Our sins went from never forgotten to never remembered because of Christ. They were always there on us. Now they're gone. We went from having our sins never forgotten to having them never remembered. One of the things that's a little bit surprising about becoming a Christian, especially if you become a Christian sort of in your adult life, um, is uh, things get harder. Actually, there are ways in which life is harder for the Christian than for the non-Christian. Because um, <laughs> I mean and I mean, like internally, emotionally, I guess, maybe, I don't know, something like that. We, we, like, like it's a, there's, a, there's a battle now inside of us that wasn't there before. Before, we didn't care. We didn't care. I mean, we had a conscience, and so we cared about some stuff, and we didn't like the repercussions of our sin. We didn't like getting in trouble for stuff. But now that we are saved, now that the Spirit is within us, we care deeply. There is a battle now inside of us. We still have our indwelling sin. We still have our sinful nature, right? So we still have this this, this strong, pull on us to do whatever we want, whenever we want. So we have that, but then we also have the Spirit of God in us, just cranking on us. And so so now there's a battle we didn't have before. And then the other thing that's very interesting, and by interesting, I mean difficult, is (laughs) Uh, And this is why you need good friends um, speaking clearly into your life a lot. And by good friends, I mean not stupid people, smart people who love Jesus, who love his word. And who know you and love you. Because here's what happens, and I'm sure you felt this. The, the The more you fight against sin and grow as a christian the the more you grow in christ likeness the, the the more you 're going to realize how glorious Jesus Christ actually is, and so Jesus Christ is getting bigger and more glorious and more holy he 's not getting any bigger, but you 're understanding his glory and his holiness um, you're understanding it in, in bigger ways, in truer ways. And so you're getting more holy, but you don't feel like it. Because it seems like they're, they're, the target's really moving. Have you felt this? Like you're really, really growing. And you know you are. And you know because you ask people. You're like, I'm, I'm getting better, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kinder than I was five years ago, right? I'm I'm. I serve people better. I love people better. I, I, right, right. And my wife's like, "Yes, you're fine." But one of the realities of the Christian life is you grow in Christ likeness. A big part of that is realizing more and more who Jesus is. So realizing just how far you have to go. It's an undeniable part of growing in grace. So how do we stay sane in all of that? How do we stay sane in all of that? How do we continue to pursue Christ-likeness with joy? How do we not just give up? Because we're never going to get there. How How do we not grow stagnant and apathetic? We remember every single stinking day, Jesus Christ has paid for every single one of my sins. And because that's true, God the Father has said about me, I will remember His sins no more. I will remember His lawless deeds no more. I I have gone from my sins never being forgotten to them never being remembered by the One who matters. There is a very real, very eternal, very indestructible way in which we stand perfect before the Father. Do we have a lot to work on? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We got a lot to work on. But but he's given us a a new heart. He's given us a, a, a mind that thinks clearly. He's he's changed us from the inside out. He's given us his spirit. He's promised to finish the work that he's begun in us. So yeah, starting next week, he's gonna get right in the grill. He's gonna say, here's because that's true, here's what you gotta do. So if we're, gonna, if, if we're going to joyfully, courageously, faithfully pursue what the author of Hebrews wants us to pursue, what the Word of God wants us to pursue, we've got to keep these greatest hits in our mind. We've got to remember, without Christ, we can never be forgiven. So Christ came to do the Father's will. Now we can more and more do the Father's will, and now we can know that we are forgiven. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for these 18 verses. I thank you that you know us well and you know we need to hear it again. Yep, we, we need to hear it again. We thank you for the, the, the wise way that you have put your word together and the wise way that you have carried along the authors of your word to, to give us what we need when we need it. We, we thank you for Jesus who has done what we would not and could not do. He came into the world and did your will. So now we can be saved. I have a really hard time forgetting my sins. I have a hard time forgetting my sins, God. They haunt me. They nag at me. They, they shape what I think of myself and then also just they, they affect the courage with which I minister to others. Help me to know that I'm forgiven. Help me to know that I'm forgiven because of Christ. Help me to know that you will remember my sins no more. And help me to know because your son has done your will now now we can do your will pray that that would sink into us God pray that you would get it through our thick skulls thank you for your grace to us help us to live lives that honor you in Christ's name, amen